day, but has lots of implications to us this morning. Okay, Peter has this really weird dream, I guess, or vision, whatever you want to call it, but this dream that he has, it's recorded in Acts, is very, very extremely important for us to understand its impact on us today, okay? Because this weird vision that he has directly applies to us today, okay? If, if you'll recall, hopefully you don't have this bad of a memory, but if you'll recall about a month ago or so, I preached on the Reformers. Everyone remember that? We talked about a little bit of church history, uh, Erasmus, William Tyndale, people like that. We, I preached on that about a month ago. We went through a little bit of church history. That stuff, that type of stuff is very good for us. Uh, the, the further I go in Christianity and, and seek the Lord more and more, I think church history is very important. Uh, that type of stuff is good for us to know and to learn because it helps us to know our history. and It, it lets us know who we are, where we come from, and where we're going. Do I still have another weird weird echoing sound or something like that my voice isn't that deep i'm not making those weird we'll we'll let the booth guys figure that out i don't know if it's something i'm doing or not but they can let me know and figure that out so yeah we have to figure out our our church history um if we know our history it helps us to know where we're going if i look around i see so many people that don't know who they are they don't know where they've come from and they don't know ultimately where they're going So I think it's awesome for us to look back upon the sacred scriptures to figure out who we are, how we got here, why we're here, and where we're going. And we can do that by taking a little look at this weird vision that that Peter has. So today, when we look at this strange vision that Peter has, it, it does help us to learn just a little bit more about our history and where we fit in to this grand picture called humanity. You know, it, it adds to the foundation is Jesus Christ, and we build upon that foundation, okay? Now, I'm going to make an assumption this morning, and I'm probably right, but I'm going to make an assumption that we have no Jewish people in here this morning. I'm going to say that there's probably no Jews in here. Um, and if there are some Jews in here, very, very few, one or two of them, but I'm going to guess that we don't have any Jews in here this morning. And I don't know if you realize this or not, but this entire book is actually a Jewish book. Um, they're, they're, theologians say that maybe Luke was not actually Jewish, and they also believe that Luke may have wrote Acts. Therefore, the book of Acts may not be written by a Jew also. And there's also a few other little excerpts in the Bible that, aren't, that are written by non-Jews. But other than that, you can pretty much say that the whole entire Bible is a Jewish book. Um, It's kind of funny because we love the Bible here so much. I even said it in my prayer this morning, how much we love the Word of God here at New Hope. And I'm sure many other non-Jewish churches, many churches all across America, they love the Word too. But it's funny because it's not our heritage. It's not our bloodline. It's not our lineage. It's Jewish. It's a Jewish book. I am not Jewish. My family lineage, you trace it back, it's not Jewish. It's non-Jewish. Why is it then that we love this book so much? Why is it then that we search and seek through the book, the, the Bible, the sacred scriptures, searching for it, trying to find our place in history? You see, 
This, this book records Jewish history. And yes, it does talk about many other nations, many other people groups, but most of the time, if not all of the time, that it records other nations or other people groups, it's because they interact with Jewish people or else they wouldn't even be in the Bible. You know, we are called Gentiles. Now, this is very technical. I hope you can follow along. The word Gentile means non-Jewish. Okay? So you have Jews and Gentiles. You have Jews and then you have non-Jews. We are non-Jews. At least I'm assuming most of us, if not all of us, are not Jewish in here this morning. We are outsiders to Judaism. We are outsiders to this book that we have here in front of us. Everything in the Bible is written from a Jewish perspective. So if it's written from a Jewish perspective, where do we fit in? Why are we here this morning? If this book is all Jewish, I'm not a Jew. Why are we here this morning? What, what is going on here? Where do we fit in? Gentiles means non-Jewish. So why am I searching these Scriptures? Why am I seeking into these Scriptures? Why do we love this Bible so much? It's a Jewish book. Why are we here this morning? Reading from it. Studying it. Why does the pastor always say, go and read your Bible. Search, it, search this. Why do I say, turn to this page. It's all Jewish and we're non-Jewish. It's all a Jewish perspective. Where is it that we fit into this? You know, I just recently finished reading through the Gospels. And you know, right after the Gospels, you have the Acts of the Apostles. And I love the book of Acts. Um, any of you Bible nerds out there, I'm sure you love the book of Acts as well. You know, the, the book of Acts records, you know, just after Jesus resurrects from the dead, he ascends up into the heaven and he, he, he looses the Holy Spirit over the disciples. And then the disciples and the apostles begin to preach Christ resurrected and they begin to preach Jesus and they disperse and Christianity just starts to grow. Christianity starts to explode. Christians are actually first called Christians in Antioch in the book of Acts because it begins to grow and grow and grow and all kinds of neat things happen. Christianity explodes throughout the world and starts growing and, and the book of Acts records all these things. But what I believe the Lord would have us look at today is found in Acts chapter 10. And we'll start reading in verse 1. And remember, I did, did tell you that I, we kind of have a lot of Scripture reading this morning. But it's going to tell us a story, and then we need to figure out what this story means. Acts chapter 10, verse 1, says this. There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of the band called the Italian band. Verse 2 says, he was a devout man and one that feared God with all his house, which gave much alms to the people and prayed always to God. He saw in a vision, evidently about the ninth hour of the day, an angel of God coming into him and saying unto him, Cornelius. And when he looked on him, he was afraid and said, what is it, Lord? And he said unto him, thy prayers and thine alms are come up for a memorial before God. Now send men to Joppa. And call for one Simon, whose surname is Peter. He lodges with one Simon a tanner, whose house is by the seaside, and he shall tell thee what thou ought to do. And when the angels which spoke unto Cornelius was departed, 
Cornelius called two of his household servants and a devout soldier of them that waited on him continually. And when he had declared all these things unto him, to them, he sent them to Joppa. Now, here the Bible introduces us to this character called Cornelius. Okay, This man is a Roman centurion. He is a military man. Okay, Now, if you know around this time frame... It was ruled by the Roman Empire, a very, very large, vast empire ruled by might, ruled by military conquest. It was the mighty Roman Empire, and this Cornelius is stationed in Caesarea, a coastal city in Israel. Okay, so Rome had all these soldiers all over the place making sure that everything was going right and that no one rose up and got out of control and to to collect money, a, a tribute from all these nations. And Cornelius was one of those military men. Okay, Cornelius is in Caesarea. It's in Israel. And it says he is of the Italian band. In other words, he's Italian lineage. Now we know right off the bat that Pastor Joe likes Cornelius, right? Can we say amen to that this morning? He is of the Italian lineage. He is a Gentile. Remember what's Gentile mean? Non-Jew. So he is not a Jewish person. Does not have lineage through the Jewish nation of Israel. He's a Gentile like us. He's an outsider like us. He is an outsider to the oracles of God like us. Like we are today. So, but, but the neat thing about Cornelius is he fears the Lord. The Bible calls him a devout man. What that means is he was very devoted to what he believed in. He was devoted to the Lord. He helped people. says he, he gave alms. He, he helped the blind and the lame. And he would give them some money and try to help. He was partial to them. He would pray to God always. He would fast. He was an outsider but he loved the Lord too. He wanted the Lord. And his prayers and his almsgiving were seen by the Lord. The Bible says the eyes of the Lord searched to and fro. And the eyes of the Lord fell upon Cornelius, this outsider, this non-Jew. And God said, man, this, this man gives alms. He prays. He fasts. He's devout. And the Lord sends this angel to him. And he says, Cornelius, I want you to find this man named Peter. And here's where he lives. He's with Simon the Tanner. Go send men and, and bring him to you. And I want you to hear what he has to say. Okay, you follow me so far? Acts chapter 10, verse 9. And on the morrow, as they went on their journey and drew nigh unto the city, Peter went up upon the housetop to pray about the sixth hour. And he became very hungry and would have eaten. But while they made ready, he fell into a trance and saw heaven opened and a certain vessel descending unto him as it had been a great sheet knit at the four corners and let down to the earth, wherein were all manners of four-footed beasts of the earth and wild beasts and creeping things and fowls of the air. And there came a voice unto him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, Not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And the voice spoke unto him again the second time, What God has cleansed, that call, now thought, or that call not thou common. This was done three times, and the vessel was received up into heaven again. 
So, so here we have Peter is praying. And he's deep in prayer. And he's very hungry. And he's praying and he's praying and he's praying. And he sees this vision or he sees this dream or, or, or whatever it is that he sees. It's the, all these, some sort of scene, in other words, unfolds in front of him. Okay, he, he sees something descending from heaven in front of him. Okay, and uh, Peter you know, had all these weird animals on it, all, all these four-footed beasts and creeping things and so on and so forth. And there's this voice, commands Peter, says, hey, get one of these beasts and get yourself something to eat, Peter. I mean, if you remember, it said he was very hungry. And, he, and so in this weird vision, he sees his animals, voice says, get something to eat. But Peter responds with, not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. Now, remember our buzzwords today are Jew and Gentile, right? Those are our buzzwords. Peter was a Jew. To, to his lineage does apply. All the oracles of the God were given. He is of the chosen nation of Israel. That is his lineage. The law was given to the Jewish people. So he's not an outsider. He's an insider. So he's a Jewish person. He was raised in Judaism. He was raised with the Torah, the law of God, the books of Moses, all those things. Have you ever poked around at all in Exodus and Leviticus and Deuteronomy? I don't know if you've ever poked around in those books at all. You will see innumerable laws and rules that make up Judaism that make up the Torah, the law of God. There's, there's actually hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of laws in Judaism. Well, Peter was a Jew. He practiced those. He followed those. He obeyed all those rules. Okay? And there's hundreds and hundreds of them. So when Peter says, Not so, Lord. No, I have never eaten anything unclean or common. I've never eaten that. He's actually referring to the book of Deuteronomy. He's actually referring to the book of Leviticus, where he's, the Lord gave specific laws to his people. And he said, look, here's what I want you to eat. Okay, now we've we got to read these so we can establish a foundation. Okay, so when Peter says, not so, Lord, for I've never eaten anything common or unclean. He's referring to the things back in Deuteronomy that God said, don't eat these things. Okay, in Deuteronomy 14, verse 2, says this, For thou art in holy people unto the Lord thy God, and the Lord has chosen thee to be a peculiar people unto himself above all the nations that are upon the earth. Thou shalt not eat any abominable thing. Now God is speaking this to the nation of Israel. Okay? And remember who we are as we read this. Remember who we are. We are outsiders. We are not Israelites. We are non-Jews. Okay? Thou shalt not eat any abominable thing. These are the beasts which you shall eat. The ox, the sheep, the goat, the hart, the roebuck, the fallow deer, the wild goat, and the pygarg, I think that's the antelope of some type, and the wild ox, and the chamois. In every beast that parts the hoof and cleaves the cleft into the claws and chews the cut among the beasts, you shall eat. Verse 7 says, Nevertheless, these ye shall not eat of them that chew the cud 
or them that divide the cloven hoof as the camel and the hare and the coney. For they chew the cud, but divide not the hoof. Therefore they are unclean unto you. And the swine, verse 8 says, because it divides the hoof, yet chews not the cud, it is unclean unto you. Ye shall not eat of their flesh, nor touch their dead carcass. So, I know there's lots of rules and regulations, and I don't want you to get lost in them. But God had spoke these things to His Jewish nation. They're a peculiar people. So then when Peter is seeing this vision descend upon him, and it has all these beasts on it that he's not supposed to partake of. You know, bacon maybe was, maybe there was a plate of bacon on there or whatever it was. And it descends in front of Peter, and the voice of the Lord says, take, kill, and eat. And Peter says, no, Lord, I've never, never has any of these unclean or common animals passed through my mouth. Never, Lord. This is what he's referring to. He's just obeying Judaism. He's obeying the laws that was given to those people. Now, this is actually also recorded in Leviticus in chapter 11. I just want to read a little snippet of that, okay? If you read Exodus chapter 11, the whole entire chapter, it's kind of a long chapter, it talks about all kinds of animals you can eat, all kinds of plants, even bugs that are okay, and those that aren't okay. Okay, so that Leviticus word, I don't know what it's doing to me this morning. Leviticus chapter 11 verse 46 says this, says, This is the law of the beasts and of the fowl and of every living creature that moves in the waters and of every creature that creeps upon the earth to make a difference between the unclean and the clean and between the beast that may be eaten and the beast that may not be eaten. Has anyone in here ever heard of the term kosher? I'm sure that most all of us have heard heard the term kosher. Really, all that means is food that is prepared in a way that aligns with Judaism, that aligns with Jewish custom and Jewish law. In other words, they're looking back at these, the way that God said, you can eat this, you can't eat that, and they call it kosher if it is good. If it is a kosher food, then Jews know, okay, I can eat this. It is good. It is kosher. It is, it is made in the ordinance of the Jews so we can eat it. That's, that's all that it means. So in other words, when this scene descends on Peter, follow along with me now. I know this is getting technical, but you know my preaching style now. It always leads to something. So this sheet descends, and it's filled with all kinds of unkosher food. And the voice of the Lord says, Peter, get yourself something to eat. You're starving. Get something to eat. And Peter sees all this unkosher food before him, and Peter's saying, Lord, I follow the Torah. Lord, I I follow your law. Lord, you say not to eat these things. I've never eaten unkosher food, Lord. You say it's unkosher. It's it's common. Common is another word for means unholy. It is not holy food. So this sheet descends. It's got unkosher or it has common food or unclean or unholy food on it. And a voice says, eat some of it. Peter says, no, I can't eat it. It's common. It's unholy. Well, then Peter wakes up. This voice says, what God has cleansed, don't call it common. So whatever God says is good, 
Don't call it not good, in other words. So Peter wakes up and he doubts about the dream that he has. He can't, he's like, what in the world, man? Did I just eat something bad or something? Or I don't know what's going on. He, he can't figure out what it all means. Why would God tell him to eat food that is common? Why would he call common food, why would he call unkosher food good? Why would he say it's okay now? And, and Peter doubts within himself. He's thinking, oh, what, what is this? Well, then Cornelius, remember Cornelius, the, those men come to Peter, finally, and they beg him to come to Caesarea, where Cornelius is. So Peter agrees. Okay, so Peter wakes up from this dream. He's doubting the meaning of it. What, what are you telling me, Lord, to eat this food that's unkosher? What do you mean? And Cornelius' men come and they say, please, please come back to, to Cornelius and Caesarea. Peter says, okay. So Peter and some of his disciples go back and we'll pick back up in Acts chapter 10, verse 24. And hope that I don't have to say the word Leviticus anymore today. And the morrow, after they entered into Caesarea, and Cornelius waited for them, and had called together his kinsmen and near friends. And as Peter was coming in, Cornelius met him. Now remember what kind of person Cornelius is, devout, and he wants the Lord, he prays always, he helps the poor. Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshipped him. But Peter took him up, saying, Stand up, man, for I myself am also a man. And as he talked with him, he went in and found many that were come together. And he said unto them, You know how that it is unlawful thing for a man that is a Jew to keep company or to come to one of another nation, but God hath shown me that I should not call any man common or unclean. Therefore came I unto you without gainsaying, as soon as I was sent for, I ask therefore, what intent have ye sent for me? See, this, this Cornelius man is so excited to have this man of God, someone to who walked with Jesus. And you have to remember, everyone at that time heard of Jesus. They may not have believed in him or, or committed their life to him, but everyone had heard of him. So Cornelius, I'm sure he had heard of Jesus. Here's Cornelius trying to seek God, trying to search out God, but the Scriptures weren't given to Cornelius because he's non-Jew. And now here's this authentic Jewish man who knows the Torah, who knows the Scripture, knows the law. And Peter's, or Cornelius is so excited, he drops down on his knees and starts worshiping him. And Peter says, hey, hey, get up. I am just a man. So Cornelius is so excited that maybe... He don't, maybe he's going to hear the things of God. He's so thirsty to hear the things of God that it kind of boils over and he starts worshiping Peter. And Peter says, hey, wait a minute here. Get up, get up. You can't worship me. There's only one God. So he makes this big deal out of this man of God coming to his house. He gets a little overzealous, but Peter corrects him. But did you notice what Peter says? Peter really says, when Cornelius worships, he says, hey, get up, man, get up, man. And Peter actually says, I shouldn't even be here. It's not even lawful for me because I'm Jewish and you are non-Jewish. You are Gentile. I shouldn't even be here. But the only reason why I came is because I just had this weird dream. And as soon as the dream was over, your men showed up. So I came just to give you the benefit of the doubt, but I shouldn't even be here. It's unlawful for a Jew to hold company with non-Jews. It is not customary. 
My own people will be angry with me just for coming here because you are an outsider. You're non-Jewish. You're a Gentile. It's not customary. What, what Peter is saying is, you are common. I am uncommon. Remember, uncommon means holy. Common means unholy. People, Peter is saying, you, your kind of people are common. Your kind of people are unholy. You people are Gentiles. You have no part in the kingdom of God. You have no part in the things of God. God's law does not concern you. You are Gentiles. It was given to the Jews. That's what he's saying. Salvation isn't for you. God's word isn't for you. It's for the Jews only. I don't know why I'm here. And then he remembers his dream. But God has shown me that I should not call any man common or unclean. He says, I wouldn't have came except if it was not for that dream. And I heard the word of the Lord tell me, don't call people unclean. Don't call people common. You can, you can see that Peter is torn. He has obeyed the Torah all his life. He's never eaten something that's unkosher. He follows the law. And then here he is. It's against his nature. It's against his will. He doesn't want to. But now here he is intermingling with people that are common. People like you and I. Commoners. You can see that Peter's torn. On one hand, he has this vision from the Lord. He has this voice of the Lord saying, don't call those people common. But on the other hand, he has the Torah that says, never eat one single little tiny thing that's unkosher. So Cornelius approaches Peter and says, Peter, I've been fasting and I've been praying. Can I, can I have God? Can I have salvation? Can I have the things of God? Can you speak them to me? Can you preach them to me? Acts chapter 10, verse 33. We'll read a verse. It says, Immediately, therefore, I sent unto thee, and thou hast done well that thou art come. This is Cornelius speaking. Immediately, therefore, I sent unto thee, and thou hast done well that thou art come. Now, therefore, are we all here present before God to hear all things that are commanded thee of God? Cornelius is saying, I have went and I got all my friends. I have went and I have got all my common family, all my common kinsmen, all my neighbors. Yes, we are all common, but I've got them all and we want to hear the commands of God. Are we allowed to hear them? Will you tell us the, the oracles of God that were committed to you? Will you tell them to us? Will you preach them to us? What you have, can we have it? Even though we're common, can we have it too? Cornelius is saying. Cornelius is saying, I want God too. Cornelius is saying, I've heard of Jesus I know he was a Jew. I know he came for the Jews. But can we have him too? Cornelius is saying, can I have salvation also like you do? Can we have it? Can my kinsmen have it? Can my neighbors, can my neighborhood have it? Acts chapter 10, verse 34 says this. Then Peter opened his mouth and said, 
of a truth, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. Verse 35 says, But in every nation he that fears him and works righteousness is accepted with him. Then Peter, after realizing this, he begins to preach the Lord Jesus to them. And he says, The word which God sent unto the children of Israel, preaching peace by Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. That word, I say, ye know, which was published throughout all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was witness was with him and we are witnesses of all things which he both did in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem whom they slew and hanged on a tree him God raised up the third day and showed him openly Peter finally comes to the realization and it hits him like a ton of bricks and he says I understand your dream now God I understand that you are not a respecter of persons now God here we are holding it that these Jewish people are so holy and pure and everyone else is just nothing they're common they're unholy but this dream comes to Peter and God says don't call those people common don't call them unclean and, and Peter finally comes to that realization that he's in the right place that God had him there that the, the dispensation has changed to all people and he starts preaching Christ unto them do you see now where this is going? The impact that it has on us today? Peter finally realizes that his dream was of the Lord. What God has cleansed, don't call it unclean. What God makes holy, don't call it unholy. What God is doing here is He is ripping down the middle wall of partition that was erected between Jew and Gentile. That separated Jew from Gentile. There had been this tremendous wall in between it. And God says, what I have cleansed, don't call it common. Now, we're going to start reading in Acts chapter 10, verse 44. This has tremendous implications on us today. It says, while Peter yet spake these words, look what happens. The Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word. Jew or Gentile didn't matter. The Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word. And they of the circumcision, which means Jews, it's talking about Peter, and Peter had some disciples with him. They were of the circumcision, which was their customary way. Since they of the circumcision, which believed, were astonished. And as many as came with Peter, because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then answered Peter, Can any man forget, forbid water that these should not be baptized, which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then prayed they him to tarry certain days. The Gentile here, this is where the Gentiles, us, the common folks received the gospel. This is where it was given to us. We now can receive salvation through this story here that we read in Peter's life. The Gentiles received salvation. The Gentiles received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The Gentiles were even baptized in water just like we did a few weeks ago in Jesus' name. Now, I don't know if you know what all that means. 
Because that has some pretty serious implications going forward. From this time going forward, it has some pretty serious implications even thousands of years later. Even up till today. This has tremendous implications for us because we are the descendants of this transaction. You understand that? We are the descendants of this transaction that occurs between the Jews and the Gentiles. Between the disciples of Jesus, the Jewish disciples of Jesus, the middle wall partition was torn down, and now we can partake. The divider is taken away. You know that just like the reformers that we heard about a month ago, this too is part of our history. Remember the reformers, they're part of the reason why we are here today. This story in Acts chapter 10 also is part of our history. It's why we're having church today. It's it's how we got here. It makes up who we are. It's our history, brothers and sisters. It's how we got here. The story of Peter taking the gospel to the Gentiles is how and why we are here today serving the same Christ that Peter preached to Cornelius and his kinsmen. The same Christ then, the same Christ today. Now, I still don't know if you know what all this means. Well, the book of Ephesians tells us plainly what this means. I love this, and I actually go back and read this often. Because I feel like Cornelius. I want the oracles of God. I want salvation. I I know this is a Jewish book. I know that I'm not Jewish, but I want this too. Listen to what this means, okay? This, This weird dream that Peter has. He goes to Cornelius's. He, he preaches to them. They receive the Holy Ghost. They're saved. They're baptized. They're filled with the Holy Spirit. He, Ephesians tells us exactly what it means. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 11 says this. Wherefore, remember that ye, being in times past Gentiles, so he's speaking to Gentiles, who are Gentiles again, Non-Jews, right. Wherefore, remember that ye, being in times past, non-Jews in the flesh, so it's speaking to non-Jews who are called uncircumcision, because it's not customary for us, by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands, listen, that at the time you were without Christ. Cornelius was without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth, being aliens from the nation of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were afar off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. For He is our peace who hath made both one and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us. Do you see that we were afar off? This wasn't given to us. It was given to the Jews. We were afar off. We were outsiders. But God came and ripped down the middle wall of partition. Do you you understand? We were alienated from the rich history of God. We were alienated from it. Meaning we were foreigners to it. We were not a part of it. All the wonderful promises of God that we cling to in the Bible, they didn't apply to us. They weren't ours. 
They were the Jews. They were for them, not for us. All the wonderful promises of God didn't apply to us, but through the blood of Jesus Christ, the dispensation of grace overflowed to us common folks. And now we can partake. Now we were common. We were unclean. But Jesus Christ came and ripped down the middle wall of partition between Jews and Gentiles. Now there is nothing blocking us from receiving those things. Now, in case you're still not understanding, Ephesians goes on to tell us even more plainly. Okay. It says, now because of everything we went through this morning, okay, the weird dream of Peter and Cornelius and all that stuff, here's the final result of it. Okay, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19. Skip down a few verses. says this, Now, therefore, you are no more strangers. You're no more foreigners but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. And you're built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Jesus Christ Himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom all the buildings, fitly framed together, grows unto a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are builded together for inhabitation of God through the Spirit." Do you see that now we are plugged into that? What this means now is that the rich heritage of God, the rich heritage of God's people is now our heritage. We can now partake of it. Guess what? The prophets, they're now my prophets. Moses is now mine. The books of Moses are mine. The Pentateuch is mine. All of it is mine. The biblical history now is my history. The biblical poetry is now my poetry. The books of wisdom are now my wisdom. Do you understand that? The saints are now my saints. They're a part of my history now. The fathers, the biblical fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, they're now my fathers. They're my fathers. Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, they're my prophets now. Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Zechariah, they're my prophets. Micah, they're mine now. I can have them. Listen, if I can ask the band to make their way back. Listen to this. Here's what it means. Here's what it means. When the prophet Isaiah, when the prophet Isaiah said, But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. It counts for me now. It counts for me now. That counts for me. That scripture, I can take it. And it can mean something to me and to my life and to my family and to my church. Even though I was an outsider, now I'm an insider. Now I'm plugged in. Now the promises of God are my promises. When the Lord spoke through Joshua and says, As I was with Moses, so will I be with thee. I will not fail thee nor forsake thee. Guess what? That means He won't fail me either. He won't forsake me either. Because Joshua is mine too. It's all applicable to me now. It's all applicable to me now. We were, I was, we were afar off. But now we're made nigh by the blood of Jesus. Oh, I love it. We are no more strangers and no more fellow citizens. But we're built upon the foundations of the apostles. The gospels are now my gospels now. They apply to me now. Everything that Jesus said now applies to me now. Oh, I love it.
I was far off, but now I'm made nigh by the blood of Jesus. Listen, if you are saved through the blood of Jesus, you are grafted in to the kingdom of God. Can anyone say amen to that? Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's stand to our feet this morning. Let's pray and we'll worship one last time before we go. Father God, how can I thank you? How can I thank you enough for grafting us in? Lord, because I want you too. I want Jesus too. Lord, I want the prophets too. I want the poetry too, Father God. I want everything in the Bible. I want it to apply to me, Father God. And I thank you, Lord. I thank you for that dream, that vision that you gave Peter. And then even afterwards, you raised up Paul, Father God. And then he preached to the Gentiles, Father God. Lord, we want you to know that we still accept you to this day, Lord God. We accept you. We embrace you. We embrace the prophets, Lord God. We thank you so much, Lord God, for allowing us to be grafted in to your holy kingdom. We thank you so much, Father God, for allowing us to be part of the prophets, for allowing us to be part of the foundation, Lord God, for plugging us into the rich heritage of the things of God. Hallelujah, Lord Jesus. Amen and amen. Listen, if you don't know Jesus Christ this morning, I can't tell you what you're missing out on. You are missing out. You're missing out. What are you doing with your life? What are you doing with your life? What else is there to embrace in this world? I don't know what else there is to embrace. Embrace eternal life this morning. Embrace Christ Jesus. Become a part of the rich heritage of God. Amen. These altars are open, church. Let's worship the Lord.